You're listening to Recovery Podcast, a production of Volunteers of America. My name's Nick, and I want to thank you for joining us this week for episode 33. At Volunteers of America, we are a ministry of service, seeing broken people physically, emotionally, and spiritually healed and thriving in their lives. Our team brings you recovery podcasts twice a month with stories, interviews, and insights for all those seeking to live their best life. It's our goal to inform, engage, and inspire all who listen. Subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to get it delivered twice each month. If you like what you hear, Please, please subscribe and leave us a review. It helps so much. And now for this week's episode. Thanks again for joining us. This is episode 33, and it's a two-part series with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. This is uh, the second part of that series, so if you haven't listened to the first part yet, go back to episode 32 and make sure you listen fully. There's going to be some information about Dr. Sleeth coming to visit us here in Sheridan, Wyoming at the end of this episode as well, so please enjoy and bless you. So let, let's switch gears here and talk about... Um, how each of us can play a role in helping those uh, that are trying to cope with depression, with anxiety, through through drugs, through alcohol use, um, other addictive patterns. You use this great quote from Mother Teresa uh, in the chapter about talking to loved ones. And the, the shortened version basically says, it's easy to love people far away. It's not easy to love those close to us. I, I love that. And that there's such truth in that. Uh, to me, that speaks a little bit of even this idea of how codependency and in, in our ability, inability to have honest dialogue with those we love, it takes place. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to um, Jesus with that woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, and um, uh, the two of them are having really a theologic discussion: where should you worship and that sort of thing, and Jesus in order to break through that, tells the woman what her sins are. Um, and, uh, and he tells her that if you want to worship the Lord, if you want to know the Lord, if you want the Lord to be in a position where the Lord can help, you've got to approach him in spirit and in truth. And one of the other components to addiction is that it's a disease of lying. We, we lie to ourselves if we're addicted. We lie to others. Um, and, and Jesus says you can't get close to God without truth. If you feel far from God and you're um, shooting up, drinking, whatever, part of the, the barrier, a greater barrier than the drug is the dishonesty that goes along with it, I believe. And so um, when we deal with somebody who's fighting addiction, uh, people can uh, often become discouraged because those people let them down or lie to them. And so when we have a family member that's struggling with this, um, when we have a coworker or whatever, we, we have to deal with um, the fact that we've entered into a dishonest world. <laughs> 
with them. They're lying to themselves. Um, and, and, and so we, we have to ask the Lord to strengthen us because it's way easier, frankly, to deal with somebody who isn't addicted to something than, than it is. But understand that this is sacred work. This is the Lord's work. This is what he came to do. We're his hands and feet and everything. So acknowledge that it's hard. Acknowledge that the person's going to lie to us. They're going to let us down. But we're leaning on Christ because they need to lean on Christ. Um, and and so just, uh, sorry, go down a bunny trail, but it's not a bunny trail. At the end is is truth and God. So, well, denial uh, without us confronting our denial, and sometimes having that denial confronted by somebody else, just like you said, your mother had to be kind of frank with you and some right some of that conversation. Thank God for those people who are willing to have that level of dialogue, not done out of anger or or not done to to hurt, but. To, to really speak that truth and help us see this greater picture of, of ourselves, of, of God, hopefully. Um, so important. Absolutely. So, uh, and that's, uh, I think that people should be aware that it is difficult to deal with somebody who's, who's dealing with addiction and, and yet it's, it's sacred work that you, that you're doing. So, uh, uh, you've been involved in sacred work. It's not easy, right? That's right. Yeah. It's, it's very challenging and it, and it um, it's funny that you mentioned this idea of, of becoming cynical. Um, so often I, I, in the work that we do, um, and, and I have ministers, volunteers, and staff who work alongside me in this team, and and we hear the same stories from people a lot of times, these the same things that are getting in their way. And sometimes you just want to say, you know, just just stop it. <laughs> just stop doing this. And and obviously they can't. Obviously, it's it's a process and we're we're helping them on their journey. Um, we always talk about folks who come into our treatment centers, they're there for discovery. The real recovery happens when they're out and they're on their own. That's when they have to walk recovery. But but for now, they're discovering. And and without the ability to have people uh, share with you and have knowledge about, these are, look, s- stories that we've heard before. These are patterns that we've seen before. And if you truly want help, if you truly want to step out um, and be somebody who even offers help to those that are struggling, you have to speak truth. You have to be willing to to hear truth. And uh, Jesus, again, mentored that so well. He, he was the servant leader in that. And, and for those who are dealing, you know, um, or trying to help somebody who's addicted, the other thing I would say is you're not going to be successful a, a, a lot of the time. I had a, a brother-in-law who um, struggled with alcohol and uh, uh, two years ago, called me on the phone and and just said, oh, you're absolutely right, you know, about everything. And the next day killed himself. Um, but, and I feel badly, but I don't feel guilt because I, I presented the gospel. I visited him in rehab. I was there for him. That's all you can do. The rest is up to, at some, at some point, that individual has to take um, responsibility for themselves. Now, if you have somebody that 
kills himself or overdoses, etc., and, and you haven't done those things and you feel guilty, do it better the next time <laughs> is, is what I tell people. So that's a great kind of transition into this idea that, that again, comes from your book. You talk about these 12 ways that, that we can learn to help save, hopefully, someone's life. And, and I, I have to say that this isn't just for suicide uh, for you know, people dealing with suicidal ideation or any of those things, every one of these points are crucial in helping someone in their addiction as well. They, these are these are things that are important. Some language, some tools that we can have. So uh, I love how you go through this. I'm I'm not going to read all these off, but you know, some of them are are just about sending a passage from scripture to people to to uplift them. Make sure you're 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 visiting people. Sometimes the hardest thing I think to do when you're when you're dealing with a loved one or a friend who is in addiction it is a lot of times they berate you. A lot of times it's it can be violent the situations you get into, and so our tendency is to just not even want to step into that. It's easy to close that door, and yet, boy, that that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. And sometimes it means we need to get help from others, right? In that. So, so there's a lot of great things in here, these, these 12 ways that you have. I, I want to know, since writing this book and talking about these things, have you noticed or learned anything about the, the practicality and, and effectiveness of these some of these ideas that you wrote down? Yes. Uh, first of all, since writing this, and I, I had thought the church would pick this up and run with it, and to be frank with you, it hasn't. <laughs> it's, uh, I got to deal in truth here. It's been a tough... Uh, uh, a tough thing, if you will, to sell to the church. Um, but the Lord always has people out, the 7,000 knees that haven't bent, if I can break into Biblish here, I'm referencing something out of the Bible. Um, uh, the the Lord has folks out there. I put a set of films up on Right Now Media uh, about this. They're, they're very beautifully done. They're slick, and nobody's watching them. I sat down with... Uh, Pete Marr from the Colson Center, and we for a couple of days, and we made a set of films, and they're up on the Colson Center site, and they're the most watched thing on the Colson Center uh, site. And I'd recommend that people go there and 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 view those. Um, but the the group that I have been really really heartened by are young people. Um, I went to um, I'm not. I went to a public high school. I'm not going to name it because um, somebody might go ding the kids or something there. Uh, they asked me to come in, and they have a time from 8 to 8.30 in the morning where clubs meet. One of the clubs uh, asked me and, and to talk about suicide and to talk about where the hope comes from. And I was asked if I could bring books for them and give them to them. And I said, no problem. And I was told to expect between 20 and 25 students. Um, I I brought a whole case of books, which I think has 70 in it, but I could have used two because about 150 students showed up. Um, in in particular, yeah, and they listened to me for half an hour, and if I'd had two more hours to talk to them, they would have listened. And so um, I have not seen the church per se, as in the big buildings, but I have seen the church as in people who serve the Lord out there, um, uh, inviting and talking about these. And on the Colson Center site, people apparently leave comments, and there are hundreds of those about how these things have helped. 
um, so that, that I know, and we've actually gotten the letters, you know, that this has saved my life. And that's a very heartening thing um, to have. But by the way, if I start keeping track of that, that'll become an idol for me <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, uh, but they, they do work. Um, they are helping people. And, um, and uh, by the way, for my standard offer is for those who can't afford this book, if they contact us um, and they can't afford it, we'll send them one for free. Yeah, I sure appreciate that. And again, we'll make sure that that, that information is available so people know how to um, reach out and, and get your book and uh, can also contact us if they uh, need to get one and we'll, we'll find a way to make that happen for them. As you look back now at, at this book, when when did this, uh, when was the, the release date of this book? Uh, I think that was just about a, uh, two years ago, year and a half, something like that. And I'm looking in the front of it so I can see um, uh, copyright 2021. So it's it's about um, it's about two years ago. There's a whole again a whole chapter that you kind of devote to talking about. Uh, you know, you've got two tremendous stories in there, by the way, which are uh, are, are heart wrenching and yet just really truthful and, and depict that that picture of what it looks like for someone in you know, what, what alcohol, what addiction does to us physically and, and the, the, the wreck that we can become from that. Um, is there anything though, that, that you now looking back, uh, even though it's only been a, a couple of years that, that you think, Oh, I, I wish I would have added this or, or even in these 12 ways that you've listed to, to help. Is there anything that now you're looking and saying, well, there's, there's an addition to this, or here's a, here's a little piece that I would add to those things. You know, for, fortunately, I haven't I haven't really come across the big missing um, piece there. I think one one thing I would have leaned into a little bit more is prayer, and in how to develop a prayer life. Um, because uh, and for me, that's happened so organically over the last twenty years that I didn't deconstruct it uh, per se. But I find myself more and more talking about prayer and um, how that plays into this and praying for other people, praying for ourselves, that sort of thing. So I, I probably would have put a little more emphasis on that. Well, I think you are not only walking out one of the keys to our, our recovery walk yourself, um, but but are helping others to do that through these these steps and through giving these tools to people, and that's that's the idea of serving others. I, I really believe when we serve others, um, it's it's part of this God uh, agenda for who we are. It's part of His His uh, creative flow even through us, right? To be able to uh, to be stewards, to be thoughtful, to have that prayer life, but but then really to serve. And, and that comes in many different ways. Um, I'm so excited when I get to see somebody serving. Uh, and I'm sure for you, that's been very gratifying. You know, I, I don't, I don't know whether it's in this book. I can't remember. I'm not, I'm not, I think I've mentioned it in a book. I know I've mentioned it in articles, but when my wife graduated from college many, many moons ago, <laughs> it's probably uh, almost 40 years ago. Uh, uh, she, graduated uh, from Georgetown University, and um, she was a hotshot. She was graduating at the top, you know, and um, so we were sitting pretty near the front, and the person who gave the graduation speech 
we were looking at each other and we said, she doesn't realize there's non-Christians here. You know, my, my wife was a Jew and uh, I didn't believe in God. And But this little um, woman who who gave a rambling kind of speech said something that stuck in my mind. And how many things from a graduation speech stick in your mind? She said, until you learn that you were put here on this earth to serve others, your life will have no meaning. And uh, she has since been uh, given a new title. She's not Mother Teresa. She's Saint Teresa. So I heard it from the mouth of a saint. (laughs) The key to making life make sense is to serve others. Yeah, it really is. And and for those that are listening today, I think that's that's important in uh, finding ways to do that. Sometimes even in our brokenness, um, one of the things that always just completely amazed me when I started working with homeless individuals is the, the lack of, of not only resources they had, but even sometimes the skills and abilities that they learned um, to be able to get those higher resources, right? We're, we're just diminished in some way. Um, and yet most of them appreciated and enjoyed serving each other, whether whether that was just helping them cook food or if they were dealing with some illness or something going on, they would just begin to to help each other and serve each other. And so I think they were finding even even in what they were going through at the time that, boy, if I do this, it helps to lighten my load. It brings a little bit of light and and joy into my life. So powerful. Um, Well, in our closing time, doctor, for those who may be listening right now and and maybe either struggling in their addiction, um, even to the point of having suicidal ideation, um, anything specific that, that you would want them to hear right now? Yeah, absolutely. If they take nothing away uh, from this, if take this, if you ever hear a voice telling you that you would be better off or the world would be better off without you, that is the voice of Satan. That is humanity's arch enemy. And Jesus summed up this whole thing in John 10, 10, that thief, Satan comes to kill and rob and destroy and Christ comes to give life. And that's the only place you can find it. Amen. Perfectly said. Well, thank you so much for joining us together uh, today. It's been such a blessing to get to know more about you and to be encouraged and inspired. I know our listeners are going to be very excited and hopefully make that transition to finding your book and, and more information um, about what you're sharing and what you're doing. What's what's next for you? Any any big things coming up? Oh my goodness. Well, Christmas is <laughs> is, is coming up and our, our family had a, the greatest Christmas present we've ever been given. My uh, daughter and her husband, the, who's the pastor, been married, I don't know, seven, eight years. They don't have any children. Um, they went through classes to uh, foster and they thought they'd want a baby. Well, God sent them a two-and-a-half-year-old, and the mother has asked them to be the permanent parents. Uh, so so uh, this Christmas uh, has, a, has a little red-headed uh, two-year-old running around in it, and uh, so that's the next big thing. That sounds amazing. That is a big step for sure. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you, everyone else, for joining us today. God bless you. And remember to reach out if you have questions about recovery or you need help yourself. We are here to help you. Please call us, reach out to the website. God bless.
So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Sleeth. You know, he spends a lot of time talking about suicide awareness and how we help our community through just the conversations we can have. I wanted to let you know that Volunteers of America, Northern Rockies, is very committed to specifically our veterans and dealing with suicide awareness and education. We just actually partnered with Sergeant Fox Grant, and we now have a moral injury program with specialists who are doing this type of work day in and day out. So if you want to know more about that, jump on our website or reach out to us at ministry at voanr.org. Thanks again. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Sleeth as much as I did. He is a wealth of information, and the, the conversation was so robust. We are excited to actually announce that Dr. Sleeth is going to be coming out to Sheridan for uh, a training. It's planned right now to happen on February 15th, and what I want you to do is Go down and on the show notes, there's a link provided that gives more details about the event and how you can be there in person to hear Dr. Sleeth. He's going to be here. He's going to share thoughts about his book. And for us, especially in Wyoming with our high suicide rate and all that's going on, it's so timely for us to have this conversation with him. If you have folks that are dealing with uh, their own walk of recovery or addiction, and you think this might be a great opportunity to hear Dr. Sleeth speak and be involved in that uh, environment, boy, we'd love you to to be able to come. And we'd love for you to let us know so we kind of get some idea of how many people are going to be there. So please use that link. Let us know. We'll, We'll have a registration piece there for you. And we're just excited about having him. Again, God bless you all in this new year, and thanks for listening. Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Volunteers of America. If you heard something that strikes a chord, shoot us an email at recoverypodcast at voanr.org. Today's music is courtesy of Free Music Archive. This week, you heard tunes by Ketza, who also composed our theme music. Links to the artists can be found at our website. Thanks for listening, rating, and most importantly, for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Music